Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and spiritual teacher at karenhager.com. And if you like jigsaw puzzles and Out of the Fog news and photos of Maisie the dog, the most attractive dog in all the world, boy, have I got an Instagram page for you. You can find me there where I am Fog City Psychic. And don't write to me and say that your dog is cuter. I know that your dog is also the cutest dog in the world or your cat or your lizard or your vole or whatever it is. But Miss Maisie, mm, cutest dog in the world. Now then. We are living in uncertain times, and it can be hard to find something to hang on to, something good that keeps us steady as we're getting whirled around by inner and outer experiences and challenges. Well, Kimberly Braun returns to the program today to talk about retreats. What are they really, and why are they so powerful? She'll help us explore what that practice can offer to retreatants, the people who go on retreat, in the face of a world that continues to spiral out of balance on so many levels. Are you ready to meet her? Kimberly Braun, Minister, MA, CSP, and Meditation Coach, has been devoted to meditation from the age of five, and she spent more than 10 years as a monastic nun. She's a retreat and workshop facilitator, TEDx speaker, and former meditation faculty at the renowned Omega Institute. She has three CDs and a book now available about her time as a nun, Love Calls, Insights of a Former Carmelite Nun. If you haven't read that, let me recommend it to your attention, Love Calls. Kimberly just launched Essence Tribe, an online spiritual community. She also offers online courses and in-person retreats and two more books to be published this year. She's available for private sessions, keynotes, retreats, and more. You can stay in touch by visiting KimberlyBraun.com and EssenceTribe.com. Kimberly, welcome to Out of the Fog. It is so great to be with you again, Karen. And it's always so humbling to hear your own bio. Like, wow. Oh, you feel so undone by the way spirit moves through your life. At least I do. And <laughs> <laughs> and the ascent like wow that's true that's true <laughs> yes that is me that they're talking about there's something when I hear mind read I sometimes I look back at at me because I'm still like a four-year-old you know with sticky things on my face wondering what I'll do with my life and I'm also the age I really am at all the ages in between and sometimes it's cool to hear your own bio and think I I am moving I am changing Look what it is. Look at these ways that I can identify myself. So that's mm, that's beautiful. I'm I'm wondering how you I'm wondering how you define retreat. My son has been playing a video game that involves sort of charging into battle and making strategic decisions. And when in his game, when someone says retreat, that it means like run away, run away. I don't think that's what you mean. No, not at all. That is such a great image. Uh, so we, I know we'll get into the breadth of my own history with retreat because it's really informed by an early age up to now and retreat. I see as a specific and high energy container for the one attending to encounter themselves and source in new and life-giving ways. And 
if, if the retreat has a specific focus that we use those modalities, but I think the end game, if you will, is the heightening experience of the self, the coming into fullness in a new way. And in a world that not only is filled with the uncertainty you, you so well put, but also is filled with a lot of distraction. We, we need these moments where our focus and our clarity can have an opportunity to be very heightened because we're really about one thing in this life and in this world. And it takes many shapes, like many wildflowers in a field, give their fragrance. All are living life to the full, giving their fragrance, but they're doing it in unique ways. And retreat allows us to come to that one thing necessary that lets us live life truly to the fullest. That's how I would speak to retreat. And then playing with the name, you think of retreat. It's like, have another treat. Why not have another treat <laughs> of getting to be with the magnificence of my own beauty that I so often do not see? Oh, I love I love that. And if it comes with a dessert cart, then I'm, I'm extra there. Um, the dessert <laughs> retreat. It, why do we make excuses not to go on retreat? Why do we turn, when I say we, I always mean me too. Why do we turn a cold shoulder to that call to go deeper? Why do we squirm when an opportunity for retreat shows up sometimes? You know, I, I think I could probably answer, I could contribute to that conversation in many ways, but one of them I've always found is a lack of value that there's not a sense of imperative of, well, I need this for my health and wholeness. This is something that's foundational to my life, to the quality of my life, to how I'm going to live. And it's so easy to minimize self-care. We even justify getting a massage. We can say it's about the money. We can say it's about the time. We can say that we we are of service and we neglect ourselves. But ultimately, I think it comes down to a value system and a lack of connection to the imperative. I like to liken it like this. So I've been blessed um, in my life to have a, a love affair happening between me and spirit or the beloved. It creates an imperative within me, like feeling that love so strong and that desire so strong, I really just want more of it. And I think we can all name things we really long for more of in our lives. And when we don't have a connection to the the juiciness of ourselves, we can displace what we're placing our value on and miss the fact that actually what's adding dimension and quality and fullness and richness and freedom and love to our lives is an inner disposition, not an external activity. So a retreat gives us a chance to do that. But I think on another level, Karen, I think sometimes we sabotage our our self-care. We have lots of old ideas that The Protestant work ethic is one, Uh, the no pain, no gain is another, that we have all of these ideologies that play in and we can sabotage 
the vulnerability and the courage it takes to really enter into a retreat time where we really let whatever's within us that we do not see come forward. So those are two answers. I think there's a lot of more answers. I'm just, as I listen to you feeling into the ways then that going on retreat, which is probably, maybe those are like the wrong verbs because it should be, it should almost be like allowing yourself to be retreated. Maybe, I don't know if there's a better way to say it, but there's, there's ways in which going on retreat is courageous in a, in a time when we are consistently tempted to turn against our own best interests when that call to go deeper gets drowned out because there's a thousand other things that feel more urgent, even though they're not that, that going on retreat is, um, takes some courage, takes some power, takes some ownership of your own path to do that. Right. I love that word urgency. I, I probably would substitute in your word of urgency for imperative. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are in touch with that, I agree. And there's also, if we were to look at the stressors of life and the things that every, almost every human being is needing to manage and navigate, uh, there is good evidence to believe that in giving some spaciousness, we open up to patterns of infinite intelligence that can let our navigation be more effortless and fruitful than if we reinforce the patterned ways we go about things. Mm -hmm. And so even in light of needing to deal with stressors that can't be put aside or can't be let go, there's great fruit in a retreat because it accesses other, other solutions to life, other ways of being in life and the retreat, because of having a little bit more length to it, it allows, if you have a good retreat leader, it allows there to be an integration. So you walk forward in a way that is more skillful. As, as we think about retreat, what, what are the components that make that work? You said if, if you have a skillful retreat leader, what are some of the pieces that go into making a retreat as fruitful as it can be? Those are great. I'm sure it's somewhat relative, but what I have found is because of my love of ritual and studying it in seminary, I learned of the building blocks that go into liminal experience. And liminal experience is where we have the setup in place that we come to the edge of all we know and we have the impetus, the support, and the courage to jump into the unknown. So a retreat, when it's set up in a way that provides that opportunity, it is a worthwhile retreat. So uh, length of time is very helpful. I think all retreat is really powerful. So I wouldn't want to poo-poo people, you know, taking a three-day retreat. Um However, if a retreat can be six days or longer, there's more of a time for the neural pathways to unwind into the rhythm of the retreat. If you have a retreat leader that is skillful in setting the, the coherence of the sessions, you can also drop in very, very quickly. 
And so I think components would be contemplative practice. I find to be foundational in retreat. It could be forms of meditation. It could be other forms that allow you to have a protected space to encounter yourself. The second part would be content. So while adventure excursions are really fantastic, right? Because they get us out of our own rhythm as well. You know, I'm going to be taking people here in Mexico to uh, some beautiful Mayan ruins where we'll be doing energy practices there. There's going to be something pretty powerful about just being out of our normal environment, but add to that practices that have rich content, stable content that are allowing you to be present to the movements that you aren't even aware of within yourself. That's another important ingredient. Uh, the third ingredient I think would be the right kind of support system. So that the support system would be the topic appeals to you. So when you hear the topic, something in you lights up a little bit. Like if, if you hear Vipassana retreat and all you feel is hard work, that's probably not the right kind of retreat for you. <laughs> not that getting to know ourselves isn't hard work, but that's not the reason we say yes. We say yes because of the beauty and the draw, not yes because we're going to be slugging uphill with a big thing on our back. Uh, so the, the retreat topic, uh, the, the opportunity for silence, the support of a good retreat leader, I don't think that you need to have a retreat center. I don't lead all of my retreats and retreat centers because sometimes they're, I like them for some reasons. You have preserved quiet, you have beautiful surroundings, but you're also very isolated. And sometimes it's nice to have a retreat when you're connected with the local culture just a little bit. So you are playing in the, the rhythm of, of life while you're there. Uh, a, a willingness to step into the unknown of yourself is a big component of a retreat. A willingness to be both uh, wooed by the beloved, because you can't say yes to a retreat if you're not already being drawn, in my opinion, and a willingness to be a little uncomfortable too. In a very, very busy world, turning your cell phone off and being totally unplugged can feel a little like a... Uh, like you're being deprived of an energy source and that can feel a little uncomfortable. So willingness to allow that as well, knowing that your cup is going to get filled in other ways. So those are some of the components, the stepping away from your normal activity, the giving a length of time for yourself, the topic of the retreat, rich content and experienced retreat leader and the group setting that's conducive for your own personal encounter. You said that from a very young age, you've been in that love affair with the divine. And part, just in, in my own experience, part of that willingness to be present and experience that divine connection asks us sometimes to sit with the prickly uncomfortableness of our own compulsions, like checking my phone every 30 seconds of my own, the way that I talk to myself and say things that are not true in their essence, the ways that we deny or delay or make excuses for ourselves. Sometimes coming into divine presence 
asks us to sit for a minute with all that prickly stuff so that we can feel it drop away. And something that I know from making retreats myself is that it can be uncomfortable at the beginning while you sit with the prickly stuff, but then it always kind of pays off. It's wonderful freedom to feel that drop away. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I love that it always pays off. It always pays off. If you've never done a retreat, I know I'm speaking to listeners. It always pays off. Always. So I am, I'm so with you on that. And sometimes we find when we move into the silence, we're not as happy as we thought we were, but the right retreat support system will remind you that that's pretty normal and that loving our lives is actually a process of personal growth. It's not something we automatically know what to do and how to do. Hmm. So a willingness to let ourselves learn and to be compassionate with ourselves in the learning feels like a part of this too. So much, right? So much. Yes. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Kimberly Braun. She's the author of Love Calls, Insights of a Former Carmelite Nun. You can find out about Kimberly and her work at KimberlyBraun.com. That's Kimberly, B-R-A-U-N.com. And find out about the new online community that she's launching at EssenceTribe.com. So we've been... As we've been talking here, I've been imagining retreats that I've been on, which are have been in beautiful places and have been in groups of people. Can we have in some way a retreat experience no matter where we are? Or, or must we always go? I can see, feel the benefits of going outside. Must we always do that? You mean where we are, like doing an online retreat? I'm wondering if we can create that same kind of space online. I'm wondering if listeners who would like to start to sit with some of these ideas now, if there's something that they can do, because retreat mm, retreats call you out of yourself and they call you to change locations, to put down your cell phone, to do those things. But sometimes we can't always get to the other place. I think absolutely. Uh, one of the things in leaving the monastery and being out in service in the world, which I can't believe is coming on 22 years now. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. And because you're only 22 years old, that's especially shocking. I know. <laughs> I was doing Gregorian chant at two years old, playing the pipe organ. Um, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um you know, I do believe that we are we are capable of living a fully present life right where we are. And I think where the definition would lay is how broad are we defining the word retreat? Mm. So uh, entering into moments of presence, having community that supports you in living a a holy present life right where you are. I think that is fully possible. If something about the idea of hopping on a plane, that that big of an idea, if that feels daunting, there are many steps you can take that can offer you the support to 
begin or or even amplify what you're already doing in um, in diverse ways online. And again, some of the key components is is the person that has put it together. Are they able to offer some of the mm, helpful tips? Are they able to provide some of those so that you set it up for optimal experience? I could use the word success, but that sounds so Western hmm. or optimal. I, I think that there, there are some key elements and how you make your choice to go about it. I don't know about you, but there are so many ads coming across social media and you sign up for these hour long workshops that are going to give you the five tools to do this. And, and I have admittedly oftentimes signed up for them and then gone, you know what? I don't really want to spend that hour doing that. Hmm. So there's a bit of how true am I to my commitments? And that's probably a key component. If you step away, what can happen is you get a reset button so you can be a little more faithful to your growth, but you can totally do it right where you are. There are so many tremendous uh, workshops, uh, night night gatherings. Uh, I have my online community, which offers some of that. And that's totally possible. And my goal is that every person's living fully alive, right within their lifestyle, hmm. not as a monastic, not as somebody that's letting go of social media 100% forever, but living it from a, a place of presence. And that I heard you say when we were talking about reasons we might deny ourselves or say no. And you said, maybe we might say I'm, I'm of service, a person of service. So I can't go right now there, that being present, being willing to be present, that is service present to our lives, present to our paths, present to spirit in us, source in us, that kind of being presence brings, I believe the greatest service. And so I'm wondering, can retreat change the world? Mm -hmm. I think so. I've, I've witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle in my own service in this field and big dramatic shifts. And if we're all interconnected, you can't have a dramatic shift happen in a room without it affecting the rest of the world. So I do believe, and all it's uncovering is the vibrant source that's already that in which we're living and moving and having our being. So it shakes us up from our ignorance of where the goodness is really, how it's really happening or where it's really coming from. Um, listeners who don't have an experience of religious life may believe that as a contemplative nun, you were on retreat 24 seven. I'm willing to hazard a guess that that's not the case. I know, I know. Even people who, even people who are part of religious traditions have that view, right? Oh, you're in a monastery. Oh, you're just walking around in bliss all day. Uh, Teresa of Avila puts it really well in a lot of her writings. So she is a Spanish mystic who is a Catholic Carmelite, but her writings are so insightful. They, they cross boundaries into other traditions and give people a lot of insight. And she said, the more contemplative you become, the truly, the more contemplative, the more challenging life is hmm. because there are layers of unconscious that we continually to peel back the onion of ourselves to uncover and experience. 
And when you're in monastic life, you're with yourself. I mean, you can't, if, if you're having a poopy day, you don't just turn on a radio to sing a song and you're in the silence with yourself. The, the encounter is dramatic. Uh, it is direct. It can be severe at times, but it also, you talk about it bearing good fruit retreats. You also have the simplicity that comes about in your faithfulness to the silence and and you become more simple and life becomes more and more illumined. But it is certainly not like being on a, a you know, a spa day or something like that. <laughs> when you stepped out of that tradition, when you left the monastery, how did you find ways of creating these same kinds of silence in your life? What happened for me at a certain point in the monastery, I can remember the moment that it happened, but I can't remember the date. There was a moment when I shifted into the experience that all is sounded silence, that all is the pulsing of the divine. And in that, no matter what cacophony happened within my, my own being or outside of me, it was always within that direct experience of all being silence. And when I left the monastery, even though there were elements of, you know, I stepped into a world that had become cell phone and computers and I had entered pre-cell phone and computer, like the world had changed. And so there were elements of chaos and like emotional drain but there wasn't one time that I needed to create silence because that inner state has never changed. I feel all the time like I'm walking in silence. Mm. Uh, so it, it's it's a consolation I don't take for granted, for sure. <laughs> well, and it, my sense is that in your work, you are helping other people tap into their own sort of silent walk yes yes and they discover right they discover that all they need is within and all they long for is within and the guru is within and the fullness of of spirit is within they they discover that in a way that it becomes influential in their lives how can listeners connect with you and find out more about your retreats and your books? I'd love to know about the two new books that are coming out, but how, so how can listeners find you? Sure. And I would love to connect with you if you're listening and this resonates with you because I too am a lover of spiritual community. So if you're enjoying the conversation that Karen and I are having then I would love to get to know you. KimberlyBraun.com, on that website, you will find links to everything that I'm doing. Uh, notably, I have a retreat coming up in a month here in the Yucatan Peninsula that I have three spots available for. And maybe it's meant for you. I would like to see those three spots. I feel that there's someone meant to be in those three spots. 
So on the events page, you will see all that information, everything you need. But there's also YouTube. There are the online courses Karen referred to. There's uh, recordings and my book and ways to connect with me. It's all there, including my new online community that I launched that is about learning the wisdom from each other. It, there, it's it's gatherings of mystics. So it's very round table. And I see it growing to hundreds and hundreds and eventually thousands of members that you have a safe space to explore your truth and to open to love in new ways. So that's how you can connect with me. It's super easy. What? I'm excited about books too. So what, <laughs> what are the, what are the, what can you tell or is it secret? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you read book one, you'll know that I ended it saying there was going to be another book. Well, finally that book is edited. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I'm looking for the right publisher. And so once I find the right publisher and it will be a smaller publisher, so we'll publish this, this year. Uh, I want a partner because I have a lot of books in me that are going to come out. So I'm looking for the long-term relationship. So that is one. And what that does is that goes into my TED talk and all the layers of what it means that we are, that everything is grace and that we are capable of much more than what we realize. And it goes into the real life experiences where I encountered that much to my own amazement of it. Mm great things flowing through me without me even knowing what to do or how to do them. And uh, I'm not unique. We're all capable there. I also have a book of poetry that's coming out. Karen, I was leading all of these online gatherings over the past two to three years. And I got the guidance to start using my own poetry, which I rarely do. And at the end of everything I was doing, people were like, now where can I buy your book of poetry? And (laughs) I know. I'm like, well, I've got like a collection of napkins and <laughs> wrote all this poetry. Um, so I I have a beautiful collection of of poems, not all my poetry, and it's ready to go. And again, I'm I'm waiting for the right publisher. I'm interviewing with many of them right now to find what's the right fit, where's the right team to work with. And if that doesn't work out in the next month, I'll probably just self-publish so things can get moving along. I love it. So listeners, check your letterboxes. There might be just a napkin. Kimberly might just slip a napkin through your letterbox <laughs> with one beautiful, perfect poem. Um, <laughs> it'll be an unusual delivery system. I don't know if anyone has, has ever done that before. But it's, it's a wonderful way to get the word out. Thank you so much for talking to me again. Thank you, Kimberly. I feel so blessed to have this time with you. I, I, I've, this is such a reconnection with you. I, I, I miss you now that we've had these moments. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'm hard to avoid. So um, I will, I am always, I am always right here. That is Kimberly Braun. She is the author of Love Calls, Insights of a Former Carmelite Nun. You can find out more about Kimberly at KimberlyBraun.com. That's Kimberly, B-R-A-U-N.com. And EssenceTribe.com is where you can find out a bit about that new online community that Kimberly was just speaking about. And you're always welcome at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. And you can even book a private session with me there if you are so inclined. And you can follow me on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic for more 
out of the fog tidbits and obsessive jigsaw puzzle sharing and all manner of stuff right there. So that's on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.